1: father brown and death in paradise plus new originals like payback irvin welsh's crime and archie the story of hollywood's greatest leading man carrie grant unbox britbox and escape to the best of british tv stream with a free trial at britbox.com
2: welcome back now let's pick up where we left off
1: where we're Luna, and this this is chaotic
3: our podcast about absolutely nothing and yet everything posted by us homosexuals who all share
2: one brain cell.
3: Oh my God. I'm Josette. I'm Katie. I'm Naomi.
1: The three of us have been in a band together for years. We've been friends for a decade
3: and we've been gay since the beginning of time. <laughs> oh yes.
2: wow rad
1: well we're so excited to have you on the pod and we're also um quaking in our (laughs) boots because this is one of the um stupidest podcasts i think that was one of the smartest Uh, one of the smartest humans yeah so um uh we were really really honored that you wanted to come on but uh yeah we are probably not gonna do justice to
0: no this um, is great I'm, your big
1: boy brain
0: i think the problem big boy brain the problem is that i'm gonna i think i'm gonna have to spend the rest of my life convincing people that i'm mostly just like a silly silly little goose all the time Oh okay. i think well, this is I think, okay, is a chance. I think that people, the silly goose I think chance. If people like imagine uh, like i preserve all of my focus and seriousness for the work i suppose uh sure but outside of that container i'm mostly just kind of goofy <laughs>
2: Yeah, yeah, I mean,
1: I I can relate in a way because I think it took a, us a long time. Like, I mean, our first record is fucking devastating and not
3: really silly at all. First two, I would say. Yeah. Um, but a, when
1: but when we're making our work, like even that whole time we were goofing, like surviving it by yeah being silly
2: goofs. Yeah. I mean, so it's hard. I think this is
1: your big shot actually because <laughs> we're planning on this podcast being big um, shot, e- small, e- extremely podcasts. famous. So yeah. I think this is your big shot for. <laughs> really k- getting that message out to the world honey is a
0: silly goose I can't wait I've listened we could even... I listened to some episodes on the plane I was very excited Of course uh, you did Oh no I really oh, love no. Christ I loved, <laughs> no, they were great. I loved Caleb's and I loved Phoebe's a whole lot. Oh
2: yeah, yeah, Phoebe's was a little bit serious, I guess. I don't even remember um, what we talked about. Like I only kind of remember, I mean, Ca- Caleb.
3: Caleb, we were talking about John Wayne Gacy and I, I do know that, <laughs> yeah, but because I'm a dirty is. little freak.
1: Phoebe we were talking about like Flanner. The thing about Phoebe that's interesting is she does remember every part of every book that she's read, so. yeah, like, Naomi has
3: the same disease. Yeah, like yeah.
1: she'll find out that I've read a book and then she'll like, Make a reference to some part of it, and I'm like, oh no, I'm like reading it, and it's go-, and then I'm forgetting, it's going it. away, <laughs> <It's> yeah, <funny. laughs> yeah, it's go- and then it's going away. I'm just doing it to have something to distract my brain <sighs> yeah. before I fall asleep. Yeah, um, but yeah, regardless, thank you very much for coming on, and thank you just for like fucking supporting us.
0: Uh, oh, of course, I, such a big fan.
1: One of my like things that I was most proud of from last year was like making your your list of. Artists that you know
0: that did cool was it things. like
1: shows that you liked or was it records? It was
0: both. I, you know, I don't, I don't go to as many shows as I used to, and a part of that is because I have seen like I don't know how to do the math, but I've seen at least like a hundred thousand shows a month. I've just seen so many shows.
2: Yeah, <laughs> totally. Because
1: that, totally. you're like an emo kid. Yeah, I like grew like, up on the punk what's scene. What's your background? Yeah, I grew up on, yeah, the, on the punk so. scene in
0: the Midwest, and I grew up on the punk scene in the Midwest in like the early two thousands, where you know there were some weeks where I was going to shows like five, six times a week. You know. Yeah, And so it, at this point in my life, it just kind of takes a lot to get me out of the house to a show. Not because I'm apathetic, but just because I've kind of, I've seen a lot. And I think the vibes at shows are just different now than, you know, and I, I feel like I'm becoming, I'm an elder oh. millennial. So I'm becoming the like, you know, grumpy old person on the, on the, on the porch and shit. But, um, but I, I was, right. if I love a record, I I just really want to see it animated live. And so. Um, I loved y'all show in Columbus, you know, it's it's getting better. But Columbus went through a stretch where we just like no one was coming here. Um,
3: I, I love coming to Columbus. Yeah. It's literally one of my favorite places to go on tour. It's, it's also good food in Columbus. And it's just like I can go outside and it's I, I don't know. I really enjoy it yeah. over there. Yeah. How did you like I feel I feel like you were maybe one of the most prolific um, music consumers I have ever heard of. How did you like when did this start? Like, how do you keep up with it? Yeah, I, I can't imagine even being a musician, I'm like, I, I don't even listen to that much
2: music. I, we've, I feel like we tried more like m- more uh, <laughs> or, like diligently Secondly. early, earlier on in yeah. our career. And now I, I don't know, like I, it's yeah, it's and a little bit. Lazy. It's a little harder now because there's so, you know, like you walk into a, a cheesecake factory and there's so much on the menu. It's like, God <laughs> damn, what the fuck am I going to get?
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, the easiest answer is I spend a lot of time alone in my house. Um, but,
1: yeah. but I think <laughs> like all good writers do, yeah, yeah, which
0: is hard. I'm trying not to be that kind of cliche, but I think I, you know, I'm the youngest of four and I just kind of conditioned myself to spend time alone as a kid. You know, I spent a lot of time alone and in my college years, I was also an athlete. And so like, even in my college yeah. years when I was playing sports, I still craved time alone. And so totally, I'm just really rigorous about not missing something that, that could change my life. You know, like I think, What i love about music is that there's opportunities to have these revelations that for me only come through music and text you know and Mm, um that means with that said i'm also very good at like dropping out of an album if i'm not into it early like pretty early i can tell where something's not going the way i want but yeah i have a pretty rigorous like um schedule of seeking out new stuff and then making a playlist of all that new stuff on friday And then Saturday through Monday, I listen to all the new stuff. And then the stuff that I love, I add to like a a year long revolving playlist that just continues to accumulate with stuff I fuck with. Um, Holy
1: fucking shit. How long have you been doing
2: this for?
0: I've been doing that since like 2014. And that's such a good idea.
2: I was literally just thinking that it kind of sounds like it's one of those things that you just have to keep. It's like journaling. Yeah. Yeah, It's like you just have, you have to keep at it. Right. And then you'll yeah you'll have you'll have a page every day for your entire year, and then yeah. you it won't be as like intimidating of a task. It, but, it, sounds, yeah. like it, faith- it sounds like it's very faith. It sounds like it's very
1: faith based, yeah. though, sure. because I mean I agree with you. Like a lot of people would say, like, oh, it's just so rare these days that I'm going to find something that yeah. I actually like, and I, I feel, feel like way. with you. Like there there is this rigor that is kind of maybe based in like a faith that you will have another totally. one of those moments. Yeah. It's, and, I mean, and, and faith in the sense of like it might not actually it might happen, not actually happen. But, yeah. Think,
0: but it's worth chasing. But, you know, some weeks I'm like, well, there's just nothing here for me. And that's also fine. Yeah. The reality is too many yeah. people are making too many albums at the same time. And
1: <laughs> that's <laughs> a fact. Some of them got to stop. Yeah. Not us, but but <laughs> some I mean, someone stop. else. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and I, I just, you know, it's hard to it's hard to discern what is something valuable to keep listening to or what's or what artists. It, it's even harder if there's an artist I really love and they make a record that maybe isn't for me. Not even bad, but just kind of like this. Shit, this is the not, one that's yeah. not for me. Um, Mm -hmm. and when I was a younger consumer of music, I used to just listen to the shit over and over until I convinced myself it was, you know, it's like, it's like when you're in a tenured relationship with a person and shit starts to go south, but you're like, well, you know, if we just keep running it back, if we just do the same thing we've been doing, maybe something will click. And, uh, (laughs) thankfully I've grown, I've grown out of, I've grown out of that with music. I Hopefully I've grown out of it with the interpersonal, (laughs) interpersonal relationship (laughs) as well.
1: (laughs) Yeah, man. I mean, I have a lot of respect for that. And I also, I mean, you do strike me as um, just like a really uh, sensitive human and deep feeler. And I, and I, I don't know when I read your like art criticism, I think there's a lot in there that is also informed by more painful emotions, like grief and like loss. Um, And I think that it just feels like those things are super connected with you. And um, that was something that we ended up talking a lot about in our third album cycle. And it was also, it's it's very funny reading some of your essays, like the essay on Chance the Rapper. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot in there, which I think you wrote in like 2016, 2017. Yeah,
0: 2016. Yeah. yeah.
1: And there's so much in there about like joy and what makes joy meaningful but also like what can make it meaningless if it's not paired with like radical action totally um also like making art and having fun at the same time it just seemed like you were on a lot of tips like way before we were on them (laughs) um or thinking about a lot of questions before we were thinking about them but um i think we we ended up talking a lot with this last album cycle about about joy but it was like the sense of our capacity for joy being greater because we each have grown through like chapters in our lives where we knew pain really intimately. And we, you know, like I personally have had times where I wasn't connected to like wanting to keep, uh, living and like chasing things that were good about life. And then like, that is what now informs, I guess any rigor that I do have. I'm, I'm in a lot of awe of, of the discipline that you've built into your life of like finding the reasons that life can be good um but for me it was just like yeah that's that's a necessity and like also I can feel there's a fucking quote about like pain being carved into you and that that becoming a vessel for like the amount of joy that you can hold right, you know right. I see that in you a lot
0: yeah I mean so I think for me it was important I, I lost my mom when I was 13. And mm-hmm. I went through a, a era of my life in my late teens and early twenties where I was just losing friends on the scene I was coming up on pretty regularly. Yeah, and I began to understand grief as something that isn't a an obstacle to conquer. Perhaps in a way, I was raised Muslim, and in 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 Islam, it's like mm-hmm. uh, there's a timeline, there's a clock set on how long you can grieve. Right, like after the funeral, you get like yeah. seven days, and you're supposed to move on in whatever way possible pair that with the fact that I grew up as an athlete, um, in this kind of like hyper-masculine setting where I was taught that everything is an obstacle that can be overcome. If you just, if you just try work, et cetera, et cetera. And so it took until I was like 23 for me to realize that grief wasn't one of those things. Um, and I think that is how I got more comfortable personally with, um, the desire to want to stay alive more consistently. I mean, there were years in my early twenties where I didn't think I would make it through. Right. But it's this idea that, um, if grief is to be ever present, if grief is to kind of make a home in all of us and, and be immovable, then I think we deserve to be good stewards to it. We deserve to be gentle to it. And it, it in turn might be gentle to us, but, um, absence and loss, you know, um, I realized last year that for the first year since my mother passed, I can't really, um, like, really clearly remember what her voice sounds like. I can remember what her laugh sounds like. She laughed. um, I like a loud laughing person. And my mother was a very loud (laughs) laugher. She laughed Mm -hmm. with a kind of seriousness the way that some people may approach singing or anything else. But I can't remember, like, her speaking voice. It's kind of blurry Mm -hmm. to me. And that's a new kind of grief. Whenever, I mean, Lord willing, if I live beyond the age my mother lived, that will be a new kind of grief. And so yeah. to understand that grief is kind of revelatory, it offers these endless doors that we're going to have to continually walk through and walk through and walk through. I, I just have to find some, I have to counterbalance that reality. Um, and I have to really curate a capacity to feel deeply about everything. I think sometimes people... <laughs> approach my work as only sad, or it's kind of like, well, this is only sad, but I think I don't really reject that. I suppose, you know, feel what you feel, everyone feel what you will. But I also Mm -hmm. think that my capacity for feeling anything is as the depth is there for, for everything, not just sadness. And so I have a, I thankfully have a deep capacity to feel love and excitement and sadness and rage and all these things that, that make up a life. And, um, you know, I I feel really required to to cultivate that depth because if sadness is the only thing, or if sadness is the emotion that reaches the deepest part of me, and that's it, um, I don't necessarily like myself, and I don't think anyone else would like me.
2: Yeah, that's. So, so, I mean, yeah. So I have I have a. I was simply going to say social responsibility to be
3: silly.
1: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> In a way.
2: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what were you going to say? Next? I I it just it what you're saying brings to mind something that i was thinking about like while we were touring and it it's it's kind of like it's not heavy it's just like it's just a bit heady like hopefully people will be willing to roll with it but uh, it it's like i have such a beef with the contemporary iteration of postmodernism that we're living in and how it proliferates this sort of like yeah, the world is fucked and nothing's ever going to change like whatever sort of mentality, but to me that feels so uh so white and yeah. so straight and yeah. so male yeah. and like to be willing to like give up hope on stuff for me feels so privileged almost mm-hmm. like yeah, you have nothing if if you are a nihilist and you or a postmodernist and, and you believe that Everything's fucked and nothing's gonna change. So, why should it matter? I'm just gonna like smoke cigarettes and read theory. Like, <laughs> to me, that's just an expression of the privilege that you already have living mm-hmm. in this world. Like, you don't, your stake in things changing is actually different than mine or different from yours. Yeah. Like, yeah. That, yeah, just that, yeah, resonates with, I feel with like, that feeling yeah, I'm like having.
0: I mean, I was, I, I think like nihilism. A lot of things were hard and remain hard, I think, for me to kind of teach and train myself out of, right? Because I think sure. there are privileges I fold into that. Nihilism is actually probably, like, if I left myself alone, if left to my own devices, I would trend towards nihilism. If I if totally. I did not I have, think I would yeah. too, to be honest. Right. It's, uh, yeah. that's the thing. It's, I think many of us would, but we, if we're lucky, we love people who are not us. We love people for whom the stakes are different. The stakes of survival are just different. And, yeah. you know, for me- I, I just I can't there are points where I have to take into account the fact that I love a great many people who have different and or higher stakes of survival than I do, and it's not really moving shit if I'm just like, well, good luck you like, yeah, I'm, yeah I'm gonna be exactly. kicking it. good luck
2: and like and in that sense, like not it it makes it more important to yeah, like be silly, have like try to enrich your life and move it towards you know. A capacity to feel like joy and happiness that is from a real place of like I kind of need this or shit's pretty dark for me so you know roll with it try to have a feeling yeah 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 um something I'm working on
1: was there a a big sense of nihilism like growing up in a midwestern punk scene like I want I want to I'm very curious about that picture. I, I, myself. I'm from the North Shore. I'm from the northern suburbs of Chicago,
0: yeah. um,
1: but I was not in so much of a scene myself. I did my, I did go to school, the same high school as some of the members of Fallout Boy.
0: Um, <laughs> did you? And
1: yeah. Iconic. And Pete, Pete Wentz's, uh mom was the. Uh, I think she maybe still works at North Shore Country Day, which was the high school, like the private school in yeah. my town. Um. So that was a. I learned a lot about Fall Out Boy from the <laughs> piece that you wrote about them because I think you were at their first.
0: Yeah, talking I was at, show. at the show That's where they so sick. I was at the show where they got their name, where they didn't have a name, and then an audience member gave them their name. I mean, I will That's
3: say insane, isn't that crazy? Deep,
0: deep, deep abiding love for those dudes. Like truly, I, that the band does not mean the same to me as it did when I was younger. I didn't really get into going to go on punk shows until I got my own car, which was senior mm-hmm. year. Okay. But If you didn't, in Columbus, like if you, I grew up on the east side of Columbus and um, if you didn't have, that's like a neglected area overall. So like, if you didn't have a car, you kind of couldn't get to the, to where the shows were happening. Right, right. if you were like a young black punk specifically, at that point in Columbus, at least, it was sometimes tricky to get in the shows in general. You had to go to like Dayton or Chicago where, or Detroit, where it was a little more like black punk friendly
1: sure like literally they're gonna like bar you out of the venue
0: no just it, it's just kind of like you, just treat I got you the, shitty yeah like you get the you figure out like where yeah. where is the venue where you're gonna have to maybe fight and how up for fighting are you you know yeah like i think yeah. I, the crew i rolled with was all kind of like black punks and i i was thankful um my pal tyler who i wrote about in fallout boy forever who's um yeah the anniversary of his passing is in like two weeks mm-hmm. um but he was, he was like way bigger than me. And the key always was you got to find the, the, the punk who was like definitely bigger than me. I've always been short and I don't really, I can, you know, back then it was like I, now I probably can't fight. But back in my 20s, it was like, I can fight. I just don't want to, you know, like right, yeah. <laughs> I would prefer not to fight. Uh, yeah. But here's a large person who who at least scares people. Yeah. And so it's like, There's that kind of math I think that has to. Be we have that out, person.
1: That we have that person in our
3: what touring our tour? crew. Yeah, we are, Ivan.
1: Yeah, our production manager. <laughs> but is he's this the most sensitive one of all of us. Yeah. I wonder if you met him when you, you came be. backstage, or I think you I might, did. you might have seen he's him. Like, at the He's the, the show. biggest
3: guy who yeah. would be around us, and he's bearded. Yeah, he's just yeah. fucking massive.
2: Um, but he's also like at the at the shows crying.
0: Yeah. yeah, I think sensitivity and I think sensitivity and capacity for fighting by way of protection. I think those are two; those are like twin impulses.
3: Yeah, totally. I, I've never been in a real. I've never been in like a. I've
2: I've gotten been. my ass kicked twice. <laughs> twice. <laughs> <laughs> and let's uh, get into it. No, I just like, <laughs> dude. I think to be honest, like, I went to a school that was not so good. And there were a couple of years where I had a, uh, there was a person in my class who just, oh, they, I think was, was, they loved you, no? was titillated by me in some way. She uh-huh. was like, Absolutely titillated. she yeah. was something about me activated her, but it, it expressed itself <laughs> for her in sort of just giving me a hard time. Like mm-hmm. I was a little bit like of a, I was a good student, but I was like, I was a talker. And so I'd be like leaning back in my chair and like talking, you know, like my knees sort of like holding me back and like sh- talking shit to people in my class. And cool. she would come up and like kick my chair down. Oh no! And then no, no, no. I and then and then I would like get up w- and like chase her out of the school, which is like, what she wanted. This has happened. This happened a few times. Right. And then I've also I have been punched in the face. I, it's a formative experience. I think most. I think I've never been punched. I've been it slapped
3: a bunch. Hurts. <laughs>
2: So, uh, wait, and I did pu- I, I, I punched my best friend in
0: the face Yeah, ask question. Can I ask a question about the person who was kicking your chair and then running away? Yeah, yeah, was this, gay. this <laughs> <laughs> right, I was I Also, say is this some kind This was like a a play for affection, right? Or like attention that might lead to affection? I
2: couldn't I couldn't, how I, couldn't could that be? I couldn't really tell. I think it was multi-layered. Um I think it was I think it was complicated because uh, I went to a very, I went to a very diverse school for the f- until middle school, uh-huh. and then I went to a pretty white school. Uh-huh. Um, and I'm mixed, and she was one of the only other students of color in my class. Uh-huh. Oh, there. It and is. yeah, so I think there was something, and maybe there was like a queer element. I c- I can't really tell retrospectively, but she wanted to beat my ass bad. <laughs> I wonder if we looked her up now if she would be like I don't queer. know. And then there was another girl who was a white girl who also, she would just like, she would fuck with me, but I I was way taller than her so I, she didn't really try it. I wouldn't want to fight you. I was huge. Like, I've always, I was like five, I was like a nine-year-old who was like five-six. <laughs> I was like it's huge. Whoa. Yeah, and then I stopped growing, but yeah. Five-six like,
0: is like how tall I am right now. i was
2: i was huge like tall i was huge i'm 5'9 now but i i I was i stagnated for a bit uh i i leveled out towards the end isn't it
0: like strange though that this i was thinking about this recently because i was in a phase where i was watching romantic comedies for no real reason i think i was just like end of the year tired and on the couch and wanting to feel things and i found myself like really frustrated well particularly there were some Queer rom coms that move me, but the ones that are kind of like the 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 heteronormative container of the rom com is like, and I'm sure that's always been this way, and I'm just now noticing it a little more. But it's always it follows this arc of like two people being horrible to each other for Act One, Two, and perhaps Three, and then there's that tension, supposedly tension, builds up, but there's no real in between arc. It's just like we're mean to each other, and now we're kissing. I, yeah, I, Is it the I patriarchy like and uh, abuse? Yeah.
3: <laughs> like, it, to be honest.
0: It tripped I'm me thinking... out because I was like, maybe this is just what it like. I mean, I know this isn't what it is, but maybe this is just the imagination of how people imagine this type shit going. But like, I don't want I don't know. There was some Netflix rom-com I watched where as a part of this kind of horsing around oh, to fall in love type shit, someone like called the cops on someone else. I was like, listen. If she calls the cops on me I, I think I'm out you know like No
2: I, uh, I mean I do that think That is legit though. I feel like I was confused. I I don't know. I feel like I'm still kind of dealing with the a bit of like a legacy within me of like I don't know what the f- hell it is. That's what therapy's for but like needing affection to also be tempered with like someone giving me a hard time Absolutely. a little bit i yeah. i am mean to people that i like yes but okay <laughs> but some people i think maybe it's just social conditioning well, it could be the time we grew up in but i do like i i don't want you to come up and you know break my tailbone i mean i but... i got i hung out
1: with my grandma for like 10 days recently my i have two living grandmas which is fucking amazing that's crazy. so my dad's mom zita um is ninety one and uh super Irish Catholic or I mean I guess she's Czech but
0: Irish, Ca- Irish
1: Catholicism is the religion yeah and she is so sarcastic <laughs> she was she was reading me left and right and like but she's really funny and I was like okay this is where my dad got it from like and this is really how my family like does. Show affection to each other. They that's yeah. kind
3: of us to each other in a, in a way, but we do say that I was other. just it's thinking It's a little about bit this.
1: sad, and it is giving repression. Well, but is it? Is it just yeah. sure. giving? I don't know. Is it just it also to shows vulnerable? up
0: though. Not that I'm like sorry to do like an in person or like a whatever lyrical analysis, but I think it also shows up in your lyrics too. In the in the songs, like I I really <laughs> oh, love. Fuck. This is my dream. I really like. <laughs> I really adore Taken. I like adore that song. Yeah, and, that that, um, that
3: one's the most fucked up. <laughs> but
0: it made yeah. there's I was playing it for I was playing the um y'all did the thing at electric electric lady and I was playing that version in my car for a friend of mine who had never who wasn't hip to y'all's music and i I like was I was talking through the the idea of wanting to extract someone from a relationship so that they can be with you as a like as a measure of worth or as yeah. a measure of like a, a yeah. feeling like you are achieving something not even as a measure of maybe as a measure of affection but more as a measure of just wanting to calculate one's worth in relationship to another person.
2: yeah, mm-hmm. and,
0: and I was telling my pal this, and she was like, yeah, I get that. That's like pretty fucked up though. And I was like, yeah, but <laughs> I actually don't think that's, I think maybe the end result, we say that's fucked up, but I actually don't think that emotional impulse is that different from several other ways that desire manifests itself in, yeah. with different stakes. Be it like watching someone eat something that you did not want before, but seeing them enjoy it so much is is the engine for that desire. Right.
2: Yeah,
3: I think it just all. I'm gonna say, I feel like it just always just goes back to mommy and daddy.
2: But and it's also like we're be, social wanting creatures. to be
3: loved, wanting to be loved. Yeah,
2: totally. <laughs> like we're that's that's well, very and it is interesting because that is one of the songs, and I don't
1: I don't want to um like pull a curtain up too much, but I did write that song like not based on it was based on um like I met somebody who was engaged, but I did not pursue that in any way it was a complete fantasy song and it was like if i was going to fuck up fuck with this situation like what would happen what ha- like and why am i playing like yeah. let's play the tape forward and also let's play the tape back like why am i
2: doing this yeah. you know like why is the impulse there to begin yeah with? and yeah.
1: so and there is you have to kind of generalize um I appreciate, like, you throwing in that, like, you know, in in reality, there's, like, so much more gray area for these things. But I think on a lot of the second record, um, there was this general feeling of, like, and everything I do is because of my trauma. Mm -hmm. I mean,
3: (laughs) I got to be honest. I think that's where we're all at all the time. Even if we are, we're not aware of it. We're just consciously, like, acting out everything on each other and it's just like your life on repeat from the (laughs) the ages that you weren't completely a a conscious person and your frontal love was being developed. I think that's a great
1: uh, thing to leave our listeners
3: with. Yeah, and now we're going to take a break but our break is actually just us saying we're going to take a break and we can keep talking. VR training platforms, like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International, are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com metaverse impact.
2: We're back from our break. And we're break. back from our that break. Was awesome. It was <laughs> so you good. You have no
1: idea how hard it is for me to not be like, and now what are any other thoughts that you have about you're, you're, things what? that we have written? No. <laughs> you're, 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 like, the thing, well it's true,
3: it's true because you you are you you care about music and so I'm deeply. Saying, and now
1: please write our next bio. Yes. <laughs> oh my god.
3: And see something in us that we cannot see within ourselves <laughs> and extract it.
2: Also, <laughs> that's musician trauma of needing validation. Yeah, and that also has to do from mommy and daddy. Like, play, go Which, on
0: yeah, the stage. It all traces back. It all traces <laughs> back. Mommy I, it all does. One hundred. I will say that I, you know, like one thing that draws me to your work and has for a while is actually how how well y'all kind of attacked the, the concepts or the realities of desire, various mm-hmm. modes of desire. I'm a big desire driven person. I don't even know if I. For me, it's easy to delineate a love song and a song that is about the pursuit of love, which I think are two mm-hmm. different things. Yeah. I think they can be, one can be the other and all that. But I kind of, the reason I fuck with like, um, say a Carly Rae Jepsen is because so many of her songs are kind of just like, I don't really even want the guy. I just kind yeah. of want to, I just want to chase after him for a while and then I don't really care what he does, you know?
3: Right. And I think yeah. that's everybody all the that's time. It. Everybody yeah, just you wants. know. Like,
0: <laughs> You want the you want the the middle part or the I guess not even the for you me. You want the I moment
2: think, before you want the liminal space. Right. You want it's the liminal like, space. Yeah, yeah, like I, that's that's I, what's so I I prefer I think most uh, this is so cliche performance studies vibes, but like I. Any, the, the liminal space and the liminoid space is like the most interesting space for like art to happen oh, within. I think you say like liminoid
1: sec- is such a flex?
2: Yeah, I think that's the yeah. sexiest as well place. It's because I said microphone. liminal the other day and then I, afterwards I yeah, was like, you, you I meant liminoid. I know,
3: I know you thought that and I'm sorry. It's oh, okay.
2: Well, I've never even big word. heard that
0: word before. I didn't even know that was a word.
3: Nami has quite that one. Yeah, you can have it. We just request to be, well actually, Nami needs to be quoted From what I
2: recall is just like, a proto-liminal experience. So like, uh, something happening in the, it, like uh, a uh, for example, like a, a bar mitzvah, like the ritual of like, I'm going becoming into this situation <laughs> and becoming a man yeah. through this ritual. The ritual is the liminal space, right? right. So it's pretty specifically right. uh, like happening within the confines of like ritual, mm-hmm. whereas like, Artistic artistic expression, us being on stage in a concert—that sort of like unreal space within the concert where a ritual is happening, but it's not exactly religious. Right? It's Is not, liminoid? Okay. It's just to differentiate Jesus, the two more Jesus, specifically. Cuckoo bananas. Right, right.
1: Yeah. Can I bring this down? Not religious
0: for you all, but I do feel like there are religious spe- experiences happening.
3: Absolutely. Well, we, we,
0: Absolutely. We, we, yeah. we want that. We yeah. that
3: that that is literally the driving force. We're pretty
2: spiritual, I think, yeah. ultimately.
3: I mean, yeah. that's why we make the music we make, seriously. Yeah.
0: But I I think well, for me, what I also, this maybe sounds creepy, I hope not, but I think a part of loving live music for me is I just love watching other people witness live music. Totally. That,
3: that that's the coolest part. I yeah. I, I saw Beyoncé, like I I love Beyoncé, but I I wouldn't describe myself to have like the I'm I'm not a, I'm not a good fan of things, but um, yeah, it was the most interesting experience I think I've ever had at a live show where people were leaving their bodies and you understand why people want to like like that makes me have the impulse to make art so people can have that yeah. experience. It's just fucking it's, it was the it like, fucking it scene. allows
0: you to imagine what works if we're talking about like liminal spaces or why desire or, or the idea of crushes obsesses me um, is because. Even taking in live music or, or these kind of things, allow you to imagine a different reality than the one that you're actually. Totally, in, you know what I mean. Yeah. Which is why I think um, the crush or the the pursuit of desire is so much more seductive than the reality of living with like alongside a person. Mm-hmm. Like for example, I my my uh, since we're all we're all friends here and we're getting mm-hmm. personal, I went <laughs> last year, like last summer, I went through a breakup, and in the midst of that process, mm-hmm. I was like talking to my therapist about how I was kind of on some shit where I was like I don't really you know like I don't actually need a relationship but I I do need my impulse for desiring others fueled somehow mm-hmm. yeah. and she was like I I don't know if that's sustainable like you you cannot just go through the world latching on to the imagination of another person at their highest possible form because you don't know the reality of their lives, right? Why yeah. not? I and know I'm like but I, I wish My, my, I my I exact thing was like, I mean, shit, like, <laughs> I, think I could at least get a few wants. years out of that, though. You Luckily, know, like, are you yeah. sure?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, have you tried it? I have like a way more extensive history of like fantasy and crushes yep. than I do on like the, uh, with actual intimacy And like Same. close <laughs> relationships yeah.
2: Because who yeah. wants that I think that's part <laughs> of
1: the reason Why it took me so long To figure out that I was gay Because I had yeah. a lot of And a lot of my most intense Like romantic obsession Has actually been over men And then Totally Spoiler alert is I don't it, even want to Is either. it is it
3: because <laughs> it is it because you're fantasizing About the life That you should be having In terms of It's what the it was projected on My limbic system I don't know No uh, but it is kind of funny I wonder if it's just like Because of trauma and like we're just i think it was power i think it's still
1: powerful to be desired by like it's the same thing you were talking about like measuring your own
3: self-value based on yeah. like who desires you or like yeah. who you can I, get I, I totally agree that's what that's when I, I didn't know i was good looking until i had men desire me as opposed to me getting female attention yeah like i used to get oh, female wow. attention growing up and i was like that it didn't really matter to me even though i'm obviously a you know, gay, uh, yeah. but
2: it,
3: I didn't know that I was a creature that could be seen as beautiful until I received male attention much later on in life.
2: Yeah. I never received male attention or validation ever, but I think it's contributed to something that I'm also now working through in therapy. Yeah, but I needed Which is that, that attention. I don't, oh, it's difficult, it. it is difficult for me, your dad is correct, it's difficult for me. Your da- Jonathan, you're correct. My
3: dad my dad my dad wants to be my dad wants to be so close to Naomi like it's, he crawls out of his skin
2: for closeness. I know. It's difficult. I was uh I, I was raised by my mom. Um and I think Due to that and a variety of other sort of circumstances in my upbringing, it led to me sort of having a difficult time respecting older men. Uh Um, So it's difficult for me to connect to a lot of men who are not my age or around my age. I think like it's it it has always been a bit hard for me to connect with them on a on a level other than like friendship. If that makes sense. Well,
1: I would hope that uh, you're yeah. not trying to
2: connect with no, a lot but of older I mean, men. Like... When... No, I, I mean, <laughs> but seeking, I, I'm going to say this: Jesus it's hard crossed. for me to respect them. Well, <laughs> yeah. like, it's, that, and it's that also, breach. in some ways, it's okay. It's, it, <laughs> it's difficult for me. And it, it's difficult, and, and it was hard for me to connect with boys and young men my age. For any other, re- I it didn't even, uh, it didn't even cross my mind really to connect with them. Actually, in reality, I had like fantasies on occasion about like a right. boy that I would think was cute or whatever, but mm-hmm. there was no like, uh, yeah. I What about you I'm and just... girls?
1: You're, you're famously, I think, the first straight guest that we've had. On straight on it. Straight
0: it. you've had on the show? I
1: yeah, think Yeah, I think so. everyone and else may, has been po- queer in some Possibly ways. only.
0: We'll okay. see. Wow.
3: Yeah, we'll see how this goes. Well, unless <laughs> unless this unless, it's a, unless this is a vehicle for you coming out, that would
0: uh, also yeah, that be.
1: Would be, be. Yeah, this is also a
3: safe space.
0: <laughs> I think that would um, if I were, I am not going. To, but if I were to, I think there is a small subset of like um people that people would please. who'd be oh yeah <laughs> but i, I will oh, say totally. so one thing i do want to touch on about like um it's been important for me as i've gotten older and me and me and my my bros my fellas um to cultivate a a space where we actually talk about each other's physical appearance in a way Ooh, that is
2: totally
0: like complementary and transparent you know like because mm. i didn't grow up around a lot of like growing up around a lot of straight men particularly in the containers that i did which were all like sports and music uh, mm-hmm. until I got to the punk scene, it was a little like significantly more fluid. But before that, we just like didn't address each other. Like if I, even if I asked my homie, like, do I look okay before leaving the house? Like, is this fucking outfit ridiculous? You know, it'd be like, oh, I don't wanna talk about it. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah, so it's always yeah. been cool as an adult, particularly as I entered my late twenties and thirties to have friends where it's like, no, 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 we're gonna do that. Like we are going to send each other fit pics. We're going to actually talk about each other's appearance so that we don't yeah. go into the world thinking that not only thinking that only that our our affection and our expression of affection, and, and based on, based on how someone is appearing, can only be projected upon to folks who are not straight men, but also just to create a language wherein we can like love each other in that way. It took a lot of work and a lot of unlearning. I think um, the ways that straight men, the way that we're kind of the ways that we're kind of like conditioned to talk about each other. Um, totally. But it's an can it of affection extend?
1: Can it extend beyond just the outfit like are, do you feel oh, sure. comfortable talking yeah. about like like i don't feel good in my body today type of Always. thing Always Like i think Cute. for me Hell yeah
0: one real revelation particularly not even not even physically but like emotionally i think i've learned to talk about my emotions better through having men in my life where we just kind of trained each other to talk about What's happening in our heads, our bodies, etc. Right? Yeah. Like I know I know myself, and I know that like <laughs> it's easy for me to isolate. Still, you know, I talk about all the things I've unlearned, but you know, that shit is still easy for me to isolate, and still easy for me in my head to be like, if I'm feeling anxious or depressed today, this is something I can conquer. Yeah. And I know that on those days where I believe that about myself, one, it's a lie, but it's also a lie that impacts the people I love. Yeah. Right. And it's just so totally. much more useful to cut out that middle person and say. I need to get straight to the people I love and say, yo, straight up. Like I'm not really feeling good today.
1: Yeah, definitely. That's so special. And like, uh, I can really relate to that with, I think when I made a decision, you know, cause we've been in a band, well, I've known them since I was 20 and I'm now 30. Um, and, uh, and also, like we've been through so much together. Like Naomi and I dated for the first three years that we knew each other. Do you want
2: to know something fucking crazy? What <laughs> we were dating ten years ago? Because I because sp- we old. That's, because we in a way old. that kind of sucks. We we <laughs> I, know, no, I know I <laughs> know I know. And the way, I hear that I think uh-uh. I need I, that to I know not be true. We we met right around ten years ago. Uh, so we like so, literally was oh probably we were happening in like the ten first years month ago. of our relationship. That's what right I'm saying. How does it make you feel?
1: It it's so sweet. Like,
2: it's honestly so cute. Yeah, it is very cute.
1: And But also, it does make me think that... Because that was the first time I was maybe going to go on antidepressants. <laughs> and, and then you I were stopped like, Damn, taking them because I was like, I'm falling in love. But I, it <laughs> makes me think I, I, sh- I wish I would have stayed on them
2: <laughs> uh, You didn't. You got to do what you got to do. <laughs> but, you know, though.
1: life... Yeah, life...
2: The beat goes on. Um, <laughs> Cuff It was playing? Yeah. Yeah. But <laughs> even then,
1: like, um, you know, in the first, like... Um, years of our relationships together and being in a band, I was hiding like a lot of stuff that I was dealing with. And I say hiding, but it was still very much their problem. Like it was, it was definitely, my internal shit was their problem. And it wasn't, it it was like a big, there, there's a huge like before and after of like, when I made the decision of like, okay, no matter how embarrassing it is, like, I got to tell them like the sketchy shit that I'm up to. Or yeah. you know, like what's going on in my head, and that was the biggest game changer for like actually being able to make changes in my life that um, could last. So I think yeah. that's amazing. I don't think there's see gonna be... your people
0: see you. You know, your yeah, yeah, like it's like a everything is a mirror, or everything can be a mirror. And I feel like uh, the reason I rely so much on my friends for that shit is because it's like you see you see me better than I see myself, or at least if you see yeah. me frequently enough, you see me better than I see myself. And if I'm fucking up, like you, it's, it's this whole thing of, I think being in community and being deeply in love with your, your homies and your people mm. is like, we're all accountable to each other. And so like, if, if I'm fucking up consistently enough and you see it, it's your actual responsibility to tell me, I'm not saying you got to fix it, but it's your yeah. responsibility to tell me at least. Yeah. so that then we can take some next steps and be like, I'm maybe not the person who can fix this for you, but you got to get your shit together. You know? They,
3: yeah. When, when we're on tour, uh, uh, I don't mind talking about this, but I, I'm bipolar. And sometimes on tour, what, what do I ask to know? Uh, sometimes oh, I don't we know. Do,
2: what do we say? We say we have like a code pineapple, pineapple, oh, pineapple. if uh, if, I'm safe at, if I
3: seem like I'm a little bit spicy, um, people will tell me, uh, they'll ask me. Pineapple. Because <laughs> like cause I don't know what I'm like it's hard for me to have the the awareness at times to know that, like I'm in a manic episode. Yeah because right? I'm obviously know. lost yeah. in uh, lost my own bullshit. But we figured out that like for Katie me, Katie hates me. I can tell like When Joe's being manic, Katie gets annoyed. Thought, I will not have the thought <laughs> like,
1: oh Josette's um getting manic. I will have the thought. Josette is so fucking annoying.
3: And then I'm like, oh, she's manic. She, she's the, the, manic. The only, the only issue so far is that Katie doesn't know until after I figure it out. And then she's like, oh, I, I'm sorry I wasn't there for you, my friend. I was really I too actually annoyed. just hated you. Sorry, you
2: were being too annoying for me to be there for you.
0: Are Y'all, y'all are like, can I maybe, I know this is your, you're the ones asking questions, but can I ask a no, question? No, 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 I just, no, Yeah, please. We're,
2: we're just y'all, y'all
0: are so, I don't know. Um, you know, obviously I talk to a lot of musicians who are in the position y'all are in where people, but I do think there's an intensity around you all that mm. it, from a fan standpoint, that is very good. But I often wonder how you receive it because it's like, uh, I enjoy watching it from afar, but I feel like being immersed in it is a different thing. That is int- the kind of intensity know. where people really map themselves onto you as as yeah. individuals, but also through what you produce.
2: It's I mean, probably the hardest to be Katie. I, f- I <laughs> I'm I, a little but,
3: bit like, what are you talking
1: no, about? But, but I, I feel, don't. I, I, mean, I feel you, I, you
2: go first. My my the thought that I have off the top of my head whenever I think about this type of stuff or what what we mean to other people, it I. I'm ultimately very grateful because I think there's a level of adoration uh, thrust upon certain musicians that strictly has to do with a projected fantasy of who that person is. And that cognitive dissonance, I think, would be really difficult for me to deal with, especially if it was like, I know these people like me and they like my music and they also like me because I'm a, a very attractive man or something uh-huh, like that. You know what uh-huh. I'm saying? Like where it's, it's so like... Um, sexualized or something mm-hmm. like that, or like a very yeah. attractive, a, a very attractive woman okay, or something. Yeah. I was going to say something that's maybe like that. You guys are going to hate me for I, saying. I, I, but I have I different think, thoughts on this. So I think the, uh, <laughs> it's hard for me to wrap my head around it at all. But when, whenever I put a positive spin on it, it's that I see from the adoration reflected towards us, uh, an adoration towards like our souls, the, the ways that we love each other yeah. and like, mm-hmm. and like how we are, Friends, and that's authentic and true, yeah. and yeah. I and I get that. Like from an outsider perspective, I I understand that. So that's that's how I find peace with it because I know it's not about me, yeah. And it's not even about Joe or about Katie. It's like it's about Muna. It's, it's about Muna. It's about the right, music. It's right. about the stories, mm-hmm. and that's so much easier. You know, that's like you're in a you're in a production of a play, and someone really loved the way you were Hamlet. And it's like, thanks. I, I'm I'm not Hamlet. So, but but thank <laughs> yeah. you. I mean, Moon, you know I, what I mean. Like, Mona is
3: the fourth entity. You know what I mean. Moon is yeah. the fourth. Yeah, the yeah, yeah. It's the fifth
2: element. Shut but up. I mean, it's the thing that's
3: outside of the three of us, which I think allows us to be a little bit more egoless. Yeah.
2: If or I, just it's like a helpful way to sort of take your soul. understand why people feel the way yeah. that they feel.
3: I, but I don't like. I don't. The one thing. I mean, like. Going off of what you said, the thing that makes me feel the most sad and the thing that can hurt me the most is like when I feel like I'm only getting praised, like in, for your in that way. Okay, so this right.
1: is so I watched the um Pamela Anderson documentary. Oh, last I night. really want to watch It's that. so fucking good. I really recommend it. And um she's uh truly like a little tick not hon. Like she's so full of joy. And, Are you serious? And I can't
2: I can't wait to watch this. It's shit. it's
1: so great. Um I really recommend it. And it did make me think about um I, I think there's like a Tori Amos lyric or maybe it's Annie DeFranco. It's one of my heroes. Like there's a lyric about <laughs> one of the girlies. Um, <laughs> like I think it's maybe Ani DeFranco. It's like something about um like how hard it is to be the most beautiful girl in the room. And <laughs> Um, but like genuinely yeah totally um, no totally <laughs> and I think that um, I have a lot of like privilege in terms of like my uh, physical incarnation like I get that it probably <laughs> has helped me that I'm like a skinny uh, white girl like in terms of you know having some we're space, all relatively regardless conventionally of being queer. Totally. Yeah. yeah but I yeah. don't think that I am beautiful enough like and this is where you guys are probably going to get annoyed, but it's like, I'm, I'm just trying to say like, I don't actually feel like a ton of fear and I am a femme. So if I like what was a certain amount more beautiful, I would probably be like, Ha- have to deal with a lot more bullshit and like right. be living in a lot more fear, where people would be sexualizing me or like
2: trying to find out gets where fucking I live. Scary. People, people yeah. do
3: sexualize you, though. I will say, I,
2: I yeah, think- and I and I get that, but it's <laughs> but, but I want to correct what you're saying. I don't think it's that you are more or less beautiful. I think it's it's whether or not you are an incarnation of a beauty standard, how close mm-hmm. you are to whatever yeah. beauty is it, is standard yeah. they for the type of person and, that you are.
3: Right, the patriarchy and right. like subjugation of and like so that's women. And so currently like, do you have
2: an Instagram
1: filter face or yeah. you know, yeah. 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 do you have a different kind of face? Yeah,
2: because sure. those, things,
0: those things like shift and move based off of like the whims and desires of straight men largely, right? So, yeah. yeah, definitely. Yeah. Is, is Tori Amos re- one of your heroes for real?
1: Tori Amos is one of my Kate, heroes,
3: Katie yeah. is obsessed with Tori Amos. I love, she's like also
0: one of my, she's one of my favorite writers like of all time. Any genre of writing, any world of writing, she's one of my favorite writers of all time.
1: Oh my fucking my God. Gosh. We need to go to a Tori show. I, I saw her for the first time in LA. Um, we had just come back from a tour and I was like a dead human, but my friend Shaddy like convinced me to still go. Like I, I was like walked in like a zombie and she revived me. Um, yeah, I mean- Pro- prodigy on the yeah, piano. Truly. So like so many and, and has written so many albums.
3: Yeah, like she's so talk prolific. about
1: fucking discipline. And they're from... all
0: different. Also, I think she's such a beautiful interpreter of other people's songs. Yeah. Like she I is. think which is hard to do, but you know, I, I adore her cover of I Don't Like Mondays because I think it actually really beautifully extracts the horror of that song. Which, you know yeah. I don't I just think she's got she has this beautiful cover of all through the night. And I love Cindy Lauper a lot, but mm, yeah. Tori Amos is like that. That's that Tori Amos one is like, that's the canon. That's the canonical one for me. And I, I just think that's actually hard. It's hard to hear something in someone else's writing or music or lyricism and reinvent it in the way that she so consistently does. I don't know. I, I that, adore her. Uh, that that I, is such a skill. Yeah. I, I would love to. I'm always like, there's people often ask like, well, at this point in your life career, who would you like to interview? And I'm in my brain, I'm always like, well, there's no one really, but then when I'm done saying that, I'm like, fuck, it's it's probably her.
2: It's probably her. Yeah. yeah. Yo, because you know that having a conversation with her would be uh, astral. Oh my God! Like, have you seen, yeah. I don't think I, I don't think seen the
1: clip of her talking about watching elks having sex? Yes. she is
2: unreal. <laughs> yes, <laughs>
1: and she's like, and she's like, it, I mean, that is really something. And then she's like, I want to get in touch. Primal. A bit. She's like, I want to get in touch with that myself. I've been a little bit of a Dorito. <laughs> 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 okay, I feel really um, compelled to. You know, we we are navigating new territory as we do have a straight. Person on this podcast (laughs) and normally we talk about um (laughs) gay shame gay shame as in like the what what were your first inclinations of oh my god I I might be gay um and I think it would be permissible for you to To do the opposite to do the
0: opposite (laughs) um
3: uh, or or even to just I mean I, I would
1: be equally delighted really to hear about um Maybe the first time that you felt a little something, maybe had your first crush who it was on and, and had your first a sexual pang, feelings. A, a pang in your heart. What was yeah. like your or like a maybe an embarrassing early hookup story? Like, just give us have, a little something many, along those have, lines. Yeah.
0: Well, a weird thing about me, though, you know, to be clear, I, I am straight. My first kiss was or my second kiss was a boy. Um, <gasps> in part because. Ooh. My first kiss was, you know, I feel like when I was maybe 11 and I I think, you know, I I just grew up in a household like, you know, my sister's queer and, and came out at a very young age, like came out when I was very young and she was still very young. Wow, that's amazing. And, and I just kind of like lived in a neighborhood where gender expression, even back then, was just really fluid. I, I wonder if it's just I grew up in a neighborhood with. Um, like aesthetic gender expression was really fluid. Yeah. Part of me, as I think back on this is likely because I grew up in a neighborhood with mostly black folks who did not have a ton of money. And so that sometimes meant that like you just wear what was in the closet, you know, like yeah. if you, yeah. if you came from a big house where you had, like if you were a, a, a boy, and you had like three sisters or whatever, the hand me downs were coming no matter what. So you just, you know what I mean? And so, of course, right, I wasn't yeah. processing this back then, but I think that's maybe what it was. But I say this to say my first kiss was deeply unsatisfying to me, certainly sure. as they sometimes are. And so, my second kiss, I, I wasn't really thinking about it. You don't really think about it, you're just like, Maybe this one will be I'll try this other thing. And that was also unsatisfying, though, not because it was a boy. I just was not very good at kissing at 11. Um. Yeah, no one is. <laughs> no one. How did you, yeah, you know.
1: how did you get how did you get yourself in a situation where you had a kiss available to you?
0: We were we were play fighting. We were like play wrestling.
2: Oh, Cute. Uh,
0: yeah. And then I, which I actually think is a very intimate. I mean, I don't know about it, now is. it, you know, but I think like like now I'm not like running up on someone I have a crush on and like play fighting them. No, but as a kid, for sure. But as a kid, it's like a a highly intimate, you know, your faces can be naturally close to each other. And I think think for me, as a kid, I was mostly just curious. And I was like, this face is available to me and seemingly interested, or at least like curious. I think when you're a kid, it's just like, I'm just curious. Yeah, Um, totally. And so that's how I got into that. The very first time I was in a situation where I was hooking up with someone who I had a big crush on, I was a junior in high school and it was it did not go well in part because it was like during lunch which you just did you know if you if you were in school and you get away you go to someone's house during lunch and that was a move but the problem with that was you always run the risk of parents coming home
2: oh and my god
0: there was this situation where we were like getting into it though not really getting into it because i feel like <laughs> I feel like that might have been my first time in general. So I was just like very nervous, which for me manifested itself by just like talking through, you know, I often joke about the boys to men song. I'll make love to you, which I don't really yep. like in part because it's a song that like narrates a sexual experience, but actually yeah. it was just like a yes. dude narrating every beat. But it's that just, when it, I was like 16, that was me. Yeah,
3: that's
0: I was, anxiety. I was- yeah, right. I was when I was sixteen, I was like, okay, I'm gonna take my shirt off you know that kind of shit. Yeah, it's me today, baby. <laughs> because because my narration led to these delays, uh my my well, not partner, but my the person I was I was in the throes of this with, her her father came home. I... And uh I I hid in a closet for four hours.
2: Yeah.
3: <laughs> because he didn't leave like he was
0: like I'm here I'm back for the you know I'm back for the day and so I didn't go back to school I missed soccer practice I was like in the closet in her closet for four hours and uh after that we didn't talk but we we uh we reconnected recently not on some like romantic shit she's she's got two kids and is married but it was one of those things where um she like saw my book in the bookstore which to be clear I think this has happened I had like a um (laughs) for lack of a better term I had a very brief Fuck boy stage it ended really quickly because I was just very exhausted with it. But in my early tw- in my like Warp Tour era, yeah, as iconic. I, I call it, where it's just like you just make out people at Warp Tour because that's what you do. And so I've yeah. had these moments where women have been like hit me up and been like, I saw your book in a bookstore and I was like, I can't believe it. It's just the thing. was like that motherfucker, you know. Which I get. I'm like, I'm, and I'm always like, listen, I'm as surprised as you. You know, like I'm just as surprised as you are. Like I didn't think I'd go from hiding in a closet for four hours to writing some shit, but. You know, so, yeah, I I will say that um, I don't know if there is a moment for me. I, I recently considered the first time that I saw someone and thought they were physically attractive. And it was this dual thing where it was like I saw Jody Watley on the cover of Jet magazine in my parents' yep. house. And was like, that person is nice to look at. I was like 10 years old. You know, I was like, yeah, that's, that must be what attractive to yeah. yeah. And so I... I think there's, there's a lot of moments for me where I'm really thankful that um, my appreciation for not, this might sound shallow. I hope not, but my appreciation for physical beauty is like really vast because I just grew up around, I think like beautiful people in general, like my, my, and that's just kind of like, I just, yeah, I just grew up around a lot of beautiful black people and beautiful black people who like did not have a lot of resources to tend to beauty in the way that like many people have different class structures do, but sure. really tended to their beauty in the in these wonderful ways of like, you know, heating up hot combs on a stove and that kind of yeah. stuff where it's like resourceful. And, you know, like I, I talked a bit about like my the how I cultivated these relationships with beauty and in, in internal and external conversations about beauty with my friends. Um, who are men and some of that is cuz like I also grew up like watching men tenderly braid the hair of other men. I also mm-hmm. go to a barber all the time and my barber is a very tender person who like takes totally. great care of like really to touching be. my face, you know. Um, you have to be. and so there's a way that intimacy and beauty align for me. Um
1: Well no, it no, but like this whole conversation to me has been very emblematic of um like the idea that as humans we all have like a a huge array of intimacy needs and like it's actually very liberating to recognize that we're not limited to like getting those needs met by just one person whether it's like having your bro tell you that you look good or you know having like or having a nice skincare routine um and i to me like that uh, as someone who for a very long time i i had very long periods of singledom and it, that yeah. has been like one of the most valuable lessons for me. Is um, and I all, honestly do kind of associate it with queerness, although they beat me up for like trying to make everything queer that's not actually queer. But <laughs> I'm, I was gonna I'm say just... like there's actually something really queer about that. But <laughs> no,
2: you can you can say it. I don't know. I'll, I do think. I mean, I'll I will say it. that
0: like ex- my expansive relationship with love and where love can be found, I think directly aligns with. My expansive relationship with people broadly who are not, who like perhaps have different experiences of love than I have.
1: Yeah. yeah. And so, sure. speaking of falling in love, okay, we're, we're gonna love. do the gay thing. At this the is this how? This is how we end our podcast? So, thank you so much for being here with us. I love y'all, and I love
3: you, Katie. <laughs> uh, I loved spending time with everyone. This was so wonderful, and
2: I love you, Josette. <laughs> this conversation was a delight, and shockingly to everyone, I love you, Naomi, and I'll say it with my eyes open. <laughs> You did a good job. So now you, you,
3: you. I always you
0: close my eyes. To, yeah. You have to <laughs> say that this you you love yourself. <laughs> yeah, this is. But well, so you don't wonderful. have to. We
3: encourage it.
0: No, I. I this is. I encourage it. Uh, let me see if I can access this smoothly. Well, one, I will say that this is this has been a real pleasure. You know, I, I'm. Um, I I know that I have expressed many times exuberantly how much I admire y'all as not only writers and makers of music, but also how y'all move through the world. That thing that you mentioned about. Um, people connecting to you because of the bond that y'all have and how exuberantly that bond manifests itself on stage and everywhere i think that's it like that's the thing you know where um i'm drawn to bands that not only have a bond but that bond is ever present in the work where it seems like when y'all are on stage or even in the songs themselves it doesn't seem like y'all would want to be anywhere else in the world but with each other and to me that carries um the music is the music itself is great but i feel like that surpasses even the greatness of the songs, and mm-hmm. so thank you for allowing me to kind of be an audience to 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 seeing that camaraderie up close. Um, and uh, I think that I feel like I have I have grown and in, in fallen in love a bit watching watching this conversation unfold or being a part of it unfolding. So thank you for that, and I love you, Hanif.
2: Oh, wow, wow. that was beautiful.
3: <laughs> thank you yeah. so much. Wow. Yeah.
2: Gayotic is a production of Headgum. Created and hosted by us, the band Muna, but mostly we're known as the famous podcasters from the podcast Gayotic. Our producer is Anya Konevskaya And our associate producer is Ali Khan. If you want to prove that you love us, feel free to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify or wherever people review podcasts. We might even pick your review and talk about it, if it's a really good and really nice one. You can subscribe to Gayotic on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes drop on Hump Day, Wednesday. One of the greatest days of the week, baby. That's right. We do this regularly
1: because we have fucking discipline.
2: You're listening to our voices right now, which sound pretty good. But guess what? The face cards don't decline either. So head over to our Instagram at whereismuna and like one of our photos. I mean, truly any dopamine hit we can get is helpful.
3: Meet you right back here next week. <laughs>